Welcome back to a quick timeout and to another bonus episode in our NBA free agency week. The topics of today's show center around the Boston Celtics. I want to welcome Jared Weiss, who covers the Celtics for the Athletic. Before we get to the Celtics, uh, Jared, you're out west this week catching some summer league games. Anyone in particular impressed you so far? Uh, Zion Williamson will probably be impressive, I'd imagine. <laughs> uh, I mean, I have, I'm not at the Utah Summer League, so I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. But, I mean, obviously that's a matchup everybody's waiting to see. Uh, I'm really interested to see uh, Memphis. You know, they got Brandon Clark as, as a silver pick, and I'm really interested to see why so many people thought he, he would be a mid-lottery pick and he fell to them there. Is he going to actually show that he was worth it, or um, is there you know, a clear reason why he fell? So that's probably the – probably the big mystery that in the cam johnson i think summer league is all about I mean, one seeing these hyped up prospects you're excited for but two trying to figure out why guys either went so high or so low in the draft and getting your first sneak preview of that let's talk about boston for a little bit here uh, fill in the blank for me Kyrie and horford are gone kimba is in and celtics fans should be feeling blank uh, relieved, I guess, uh, because there was so much tension with Kyrie. I mean, it depends. The Celtics fans can get over the, you know, get over the Kyrie thing uh, quickly. Then you know they could just focus on the season. And the funny thing is just that you have both the real strength of the team in Horford, and then the guy that people were trying to pin all the blame for all the things that went wrong on in Kyrie, which is both fair and also unfair in some ways. But you know, Kemba is a Horford-esque leader. Uh, he'll, he's going to be the one in control of the locker room, the one in control of the team on the court. I think he's kind of a perfect player for this situation and for this team. And then, I mean, their their big rotation went from being Al Horford and a few solid rotation guys, and now it's all generally kind of back-end rotation guys for the most part. Um, but, like, there's some guys that have a chance to improve. You know, Shemi Oljale is someone who you know, probably will get a big opportunity here. Gershon Yabuselli, this is really his sink or swim moment to show that he was worth a first-round pick. And then they have the Time Lord, Robert Williams, who, you know, there's a lot of potential, but he's probably going to take a few years to be ready to be, like, a key contributor. And then they have they have Cancer. They have uh, Grant Williams. They have, they're bringing back Daniel Tice. It's like they have every type of big man you could possibly have at mm-hmm. this point. So that's that's the big mystery with this team. Going back to Kyrie and Kemba, I saw a graphic the other day showing a side-by-side statistical comparison for the two of them, and the caption read something like, the numbers say they're not that much different. Numbers can be deceiving, though, right? I guess so. But, I mean, these guys, I think, are both pretty comparable as far as their you know capability. They're stylistically pretty different. Um, you know, Kyrie has that. You know, I think people talk so much about Kyrie has that championship pedigree. He's proven at the highest levels. He also was horrible last year in the second round of the playoffs, like historically bad. So, uh, you know, and that might have been just like him just phoning or not phoning him, but him just going like kind of rogue almost and trying to just get his shots off because he knew that he was probably done with his team or he was just tired and impatient, just wanted to take every shot so he could try to you know, carry them himself. But, you know, I, I think that the luster on Kyrie's championship pedigree probably, you know, maybe faded a little bit after that last postseason run to the point that I don't think it's a major argument for comparing him to Kemba at this point. You know, Kemba's a little smaller, he's, um, but he's also more physical than Kyrie is. So, you know, it's like they're both great scorers. They're both going to have a little bit of trouble in the playoffs if they're the, fir- if they're the primary option because – they're a small point guard and because defense gets much harder for small point guards in the playoffs. But like, I, I feel like they're probably just going to be better off anyway, because Kemba's just a much better fit for the situation. 
Speaking of scores, Jason Tatum was a big surprise for a lot of people that first year, and probably pretty safe to say that year two didn't go well for as well for him um, in his eyes or for anyone's. Uh, do you think that he takes another big step forward this year? I think so. I mean, there were there were just a lot of ways where Tatum kind of struggled to figure out how he fit last year, and I think it's just going to get a lot easier. Um, I mean, I, I just think Kemba's just going to be able to blend in with these guys so much better. There's going to be a lot less, you know, I think they'll figure out how to do turn-taking the right way. And the funny thing is that so much of Brad Stevens' offensive philosophy is that when somebody's really dominating a game, they tend not to keep going to that person and force-feeding them. They tend to want to continue to spread it around. And it seemed like the players were kind of taking that into their own hands last year because mm-hmm. that didn't really jive with what Kyrie wanted to do. Is I feel like Kyrie really felt that in certain moments of the game, it was time for him to take over and for him to be the one that just you know gets five looks in a row because that's the kind of you know rhythm he can get in. And frankly, I kind of agree with Kyrie. I think that that philosophy needs to be broken every once in a while when you have a special player really playing at a special level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... I think Tatum also feels like he is capable of being that guy and he's just not there yet because he's in his second season and it's like nobody is there in their second season except for, I don't know, maybe Luka Doncic and LeBron James was, I guess, in the second year. But like Tatum is going to be great. Like he's going to be an all-star caliber player. He's probably could get there as soon as this year. And um, he wasn't terribly far from it last year, even with a rough shooting year. So he's going to be fine. It's just a matter for him of learning how to control, you know, he's, a major focal point of the offense. And that comes with a lot of responsibility of picking and choosing your spots. And he's going to get better and better at that. While we're talking about younger players, you got Romeo Langford and Grant Williams, Carson Edwards, Tremont Waters. Are any of those guys you feel like they're going to make an impact on this year's team? Grant Williams, for sure. I mean, this guy, this guy, he seems like he's ready to be the captain of the team already. (laughs) Uh, Everything they're saying about him at the summer league training camp has been really positive. Um, you know, I, I've had a chance to talk with him and he, you know, he already knows the system really well. He knew the system really well before even coming into his draft interview. I mean, like the guy is just a machine upstairs. It's unbelievable. So they're going to be able to trust him to make the right play in certain situations. It's going to be a, an adjustment period for him because he was a slightly undersized four or five at Tennessee. And now he's a significantly undersized five and a fairly undersized four. So that adjustment's going to be difficult, but he's got a really good feel for the game. He could do a lot of the stuff that Al Horford can do um, as far as like being a DHO guy, being able to pick and pop. I mean, he's got some of those skills. It's just going to take him a long time, obviously, to be able to do it at a you know, you know really competent level in the NBA. But he's going to be very ready. A roster that's a little bit younger, but as it stands right now, do you feel like this team is built to win the East? Not quite. It's that that depth chart at the five is the big thing that they'll have to figure out. They just, they don't have the talent at the five at this point that compares to the, you know, the other teams out there, especially the other you know centers out there in the East. I mean, you know, you have Lopez or Giannis as, you know, he was kind of a center too with Milwaukee. Philly has the best center in the East and then Toronto with Marcus soul. It's like, you know, they don't have, they don't have a guy that they can really trust to be really good as a two-way player yet, but they've got a lot of guys that could pull it off and, maybe they'll find a way to combine their lineups and their rotations during the game that they can play to everyone's strengths at the right time. So I think that's kind of like the place where you can see that there's a, there's just something that they're lacking that all the other teams have. And then Gordon Hayward's a huge question mark at this point. I mean, 
all signs should point to him being really good this year and getting back towards being an all-star. I mean, it takes it takes you a year to play through after you know, play after a significant injury to really get it back to it. Um, with you know, with a change at the point, I think he's probably going to be starting and he's probably going to be getting a lot more opportunities to, to shoot and score. And that was a huge thing for him, was just getting reps last year, like he didn't get enough. So I think that's going to be a big change for him, and it's going to result in him playing much better this year. Could you foresee Danny Ainge maybe making a trade? Uh, to to kind of shore up that five position before sure. it's over. Uh, yeah, I think I could see that happen. There, there's there's a lot of people on the roster right now, and they need to obviously there's going to be limitations on how many people they can fit. So that's something that I could see happening. But you know, with those guys, it's like they always pull a rabbit out of the hat uh, out of the hat where you know from behind wherever you're looking. It's like they're they're the kings of misdirection. Mm-hmm. Jared, thanks so much for taking the time for us. Absolutely. Just really quickly, if you haven't heard yet about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and other platforms so your show actually gets heard. You can even make money from your podcast no matter the size of your audience. It really is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Summer action for the Celtics begins this Saturday, July 6th. You can catch those games on ESPN. That'll do it for this episode. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to never miss a show. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.